0: Are you thankful for the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc.? Please consider making a special Thanksgiving gift. You can make a secure online donation at issuesetc.org. You can also contribute by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois 62234. For a year-end contribution of two hundred and fifty dollars or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book "Objections Overruled 3, and a new recording of fifteen hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. Supporters of same-sex marriage were very dedicated. They lost the ballot box thirty-two straight times before they prevailed. I don't agree with the outcome, but I do admire their persistence. I think. Pro life versus a civil
1: persistence in the future.
0: Cults are notoriously controlling and manipulative, and I think the woke movement really operates similarly because they seed such foundational lies, both anthropologically, what a human person is, but also spiritual lies.
1: In our current culture in the United States of America, there seems to be an abundance of preoccupation on the state to the extent we see the other estates of family and church being neglected and in decline and deterioration. Once we surrender a objective truth outside of us in the scripture, an objective truth outside of us, I am baptized. I receive the body and blood of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in with and under the bread and the wine. When that goes by the wayside, then what I'm left with is my feelings. Wisconsin
0: turkey producers, love, issues, etc. <laughs> The CNN piece is lengthy. I think it's safe to call this a hit piece. It released an attempt at a hit. Mike Johnson's America. Revisit landmark SCOTUS decisions and use government to, quote-unquote, restrain evil. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this Wednesday afternoon, November the 22nd. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be talking with Terry Mattingly about media coverage of House Speaker Mike Johnson's Religious Beliefs. We'll spend some time with Dr. Alfonso Espinosa in part three of our series on Christian Sanctification in the three estates today, pastors, the priesthood, and the congregation. In the next hour, we'll look forward to a day of Thanksgiving with Pastor David Peterson of God Instinct's, the Journal of Lutheran Liturgy. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion, author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate, and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Is the U.S. House Speaker Mike Johnson, as the CNN piece near the end, seems to want to imply a Christian nationalist?
1: Oh, he is certainly a Christian nationalist under somebody's definition. Part of the problem at this point is this term is now being used in news coverage all the time without giving people any idea what definition of the term is being used. This leads quickly to a discussion of what it means. There are people who, when they say that America is a Christian nation, they mean that literally, almost in a John Calvin's Geneva totalitarian sort of way. There are some people who believe that. Not many, but there are some. And then there are people who believe that the roots of our founding documents come out of a Western culture coming out of Europe, and especially among the people fleeing Europe for greater religious liberty and freedom, that those people had views of how Christianity undergird, or how at least faith in God, which is not the same thing as Christianity, how that undergirds the concepts of the constitutions, et cetera whenever I see these definitions used, I'd like to play a little game, which is where I will go find very well-known quotes from the following people, and I end up asking, and trust me, I'm not comparing these people directly to the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, on issue after issue, but I'm talking about their language, about faith, God, America, America needing to live up to its principles, even if it doesn't, it needs to try to live up to its principles, you end up with yourself with all kinds of questions, like, was Thomas Jefferson a Christian? Well, that's a great question. Of course, he edited his own version of the New Testament, yet at the same time, I do think it's appropriate to say that he was a theist. Thomas Jefferson, was he a Christian? Did he believe that America was a Christian nation? In any sense of that word, was Abe Lincoln a Christian nationalist? If you quote different parts of what he had to say, boy, if you really want to get into a discussion, go back and read some of the war-era speeches of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You want some God language that would raise the hair on the back of Democrats from coast to coast today, go read FDR, and then one of my favorite ones is to read a lot of the language describing America coming from Martin Luther King Jr. The point I'm making is not that I agree with Mike Johnson on everything, especially in terms of how he may have chosen to talk about religion, politics, and America when speaking to audiences of true believers from his tribe. And it's not that I think the CNN story is invalid. I think there are some very interesting things in it that were worthy of more research. And that's exactly what I think they needed to do, more research. There was a tweet from someone popular with listeners to this broadcast and our podcast. Mark Hemingway responded to a uh, immediate tweet that came out, CNN unearths audio. Of new House Speaker calling humans inherently evil and abortion a holocaust, and Mark Hemingway responded to that by saying, "Breaking House Speaker has ordinary Christian beliefs," to which someone responded, "They're priming the pump for Tweet Mattingly appearance and issues, etc." Uh, well, I would not agree with Mark's response. House Speaker has ordinary conservative Christian beliefs. But the problem we're getting here again is that there are liberal Christians who have a unique view of America as a Christian nation and as a shining light on a hill. And there's a reason one of America's liberal Christian magazines is called the Christian Century, and they believed that culture was going to be drawing from Christianity and becoming more and more and more truly Christian. And that would probably include America to some degree. All I'm saying is that when people write about this subject, especially since everyone is terrified of the Speaker of the House right now, I should say everyone in elite mainstream newsrooms, if they're going to write about Christian nationalism, and if they're going to accept grants funding coverage of Christian nationalism and things like that, they're going to need to define the term and not just apply it to conservative Christians whose views they oppose. If they want to research those views, by all means do it, but you're going to have to look at how discussions of quote-unquote Christian America Affect figures on the left as well. It's an incredibly complex and frustrating subject. I hesitate to go further on that, but sure, let's talk about it some more.
0: Is this an example of the media deciding good religion and bad religion?
1: Oh, certainly. And let's take the example of the use, very controversial topic, oh my goodness, I've read hundreds of pages on it. Is it automatically bad, or even some would say anti-Semitic, to use the word holocaust to describe any other massive loss of life that is based on some sort of a belief, ideology, or even approach to race, like the slaughter of people in Cambodia. You know, We're hearing right now, genocide is a term that's being used a lot in the current debates about the middle east and i've seen some people say that what hamas wants is a second holocaust and i think there's a topic worthy of discussion but at the same time nothing creates more hassle and more trouble and fiercer debates than when you have conservative christians using the term holocaust to describe abortion It's not a word I would ever use in that context myself, but if I was going to write a story about it, boy, I would go out of my way to find intelligent, informed voices on both sides of that argument, and I would try to let both sides of it be heard, but that's just one out of many things that surfaces in this the CNN piece and the Mediate piece about it. For example, what do you think the Speaker of the House meant when he said humans are inherently evil?
0: I think he was simply articulating pretty much the classical Christian notion of original sin.
1: Well, at the very least, I think it's a very good odds that he's from the Calvinist side of the current world of conservative Southern Baptist. Don't you think that's a pretty safe prediction? I would probably put money on that, yeah. Exactly. I would lay big money on that if I was a betting man. And as someone who grew up in a Southern Baptist pastor's home, I'm not a betting man, but that's another subject for another day. So is it out of bounds in a speech to a bunch of conservative Christians who speak your language to say that humans are inherently evil? No. No, that's a perfectly normal thing to say which points out that Johnson has a career as an activist before he became a politician. And Johnson the politician speaking to his base audience is not the same thing as Johnson the politician holding a gavel in the House of Representatives trying to broker some sort of compromise on a really hot issue that involves morality, culture, and religion. And that's why, in a piece I wrote several weeks ago for Get Religion that had this headline, Surprise! Speaker of the House is pro-religious liberty, which means he's ultra-conservative. And what I was getting at there is that Johnson's career with Alliance for Defensive Freedom produced a lot of speeches which CNN dug into they dug into his speeches they did not dig into apparently many of the actual legal briefs from the organization he was representing and possibly even some legal briefs that he wrote or co-wrote because I would argue at this point that the crucial question that the press should ask When debating whether Mike Johnson holds some dangerous form of Christian nationalism or some other beliefs about Christianity in the history of America, the number one thing they need to be asking is whether there are Supreme Court cases that Mike Johnson wrote about or spoke about in which he didn't advocate religious liberty for all i think what you'll end up with is him believing that the christian roots of america are pro first amendment and that the first amendment applies to everyone including religious minorities that he totally disagrees with but alliance for defense of freedom has been winning battles at the supreme court for muslims orthodox jews and a host of other people so i think CNN needed to do a better job in sifting through the words of Mike Johnson, the political activist and religious activist and religious thinker, and get a little bit more into what he has actually done in concrete political actions. And by that, I include... His career on First Amendment issues, since that's the primary thing that Alliance for Defense for Freedom, of which he was the spokesperson for that organization, as well as one of its lawyers. You need to look at what they actually believe about the First Amendment, and you should have bookshelves full of legal decisions from which to draw solid, accurate commentary on that topic.
0: Terry Mattingly is our guest. We're talking about media coverage of House Speaker Mike Johnson's religious beliefs. In order to establish a Christian theocracy, the free exercise of religion clause in the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution would need to be stricken. Do the media understand this? Are you thankful for the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc.? Please consider making a special Thanksgiving gift. You can make a secure online donation at IssuesETC.org. You can also contribute by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois 62234. For a year-end contribution of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. The Christian religion is not like a buffet line, a modern smorgasbord of beliefs offering a wide range of tempting choices. Rather, it is the good deposit handed down to us in the scriptures through the history of the church that we might believe and confess who Jesus Christ is. To learn more about pick and choose religion, pick up your copy of the November issue of The Lutheran Witness. To subscribe, visit cph.org slash witness or learn more at our website witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
1: Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues, etc. Memoria Press's award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, Saving Western Civilization, One Student at a Time. In this
0: wonderful month of thankfulness, we thought it would be a great time to say a huge thank you to Pastor Todd Wilkin, Jeff, and their team. For almost 10 years, they have opened their broadcasts to Ad Crucem and allowed us to share our products with their
1: listeners. Thank you to Issues Etc., and thank you, dear listeners, for all your support and patronage over these years. God bless you. From Ad Crucem. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com.
0: The Blessing of Children is the theme of the December issue of the Lutheran Witness Magazine. You can receive an annual digital and print subscription for less than $25. Learn more at cph.org slash witness or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. We're talking about media coverage of House Speaker Mike Johnson's religious beliefs. Terry Mattingly is our guest. So Terry, in order for the establishment of a Christian theocracy, the free exercise clause of the First Amendment would have to be stricken. So... Should the media ask questions of Mike Johnson, like, should the Free Exercise Clause only apply to Christians, and perhaps, should the Bible replace the U.S. Constitution?
1: Well, once again, you've got people who have different beliefs on that that would all fall into the strong Christian nationalists' camp. For example, when people say that the Bible supports the U.S. Constitution— There are all kinds of variations on that belief. I mean, there are people out there who are absolutely positively sure that the Bible opposes the death penalty, and there are people who deny that the Bible opposes abortion. Some of them are the same people. There are people who believe there are biblical principles that have to affect our spending on poverty and hunger and schools and Daycare and all kinds of things, but they don't believe that the Bible speaks clearly on a host of other issues on the other side of the political aisle, or they wouldn't even be willing to work for compromises on those. So I don't know how to answer that question again, and the simple reason is there are simply too many camps here that we have to define. There was a, an article from the Pew Research Center about what Christian nationalism or white Christian nationalism, whatever, and in the middle of it, there was someone who took part in their study, defined Christian nationalism as, and this is a direct quote, white dudes who are scared to lose power to women and minorities hiding behind a Bible they don't even believe in to retain power, unquote. That's a rather extreme way of stating it, but I think, you know what, there's a lot of people who probably think that's exactly what white Christian nationalism means. The issue is whether they want to go to Latin American Pentecostal churches on a Sunday and ask people there what they think about Christianity and the nation, or go to black conservative churches, in the Church of God in Christ, and ask them the same questions. I think they will find out that there are a wide variety of positions on Christianity and America, and that race ends up not being one of the strongest determinators of who believes what. But there we go. There's another complex issue there.
0: So do the media understand that the vast majority of practicing Christians do not want a theocracy, they just want a level playing field.
1: Well, I don't think a lot of journalists realize that things that used to be considered liberal related to the First Amendment and free speech, religious liberty, freedom of association, things that used to be considered liberal are now routinely referred to as conservative or even right-wing. That's certainly the greatest change in the political landscape in my lifetime. I never thought I would see pieces in The New York Times or even editorials in The New York Times that basically were rethinking whether the First Amendment goes too far and allows speech that is intolerant or dangerous or hurtful. Well, there was a time when liberals believed that free speech wasn't free speech unless it covered strong, hateful language about, say, Jerry Falwell, to name one famous Supreme Court case. I think they're more comfortable with hateful, even inaccurate, colorful language about a Jerry Falwell or a Pat Robertson than they are about certain figures on the religious and political left that we could name. So the First Amendment really is the lightning bolt cutting through our political scene right now, and that's at the heart of this article in CNN, which is why I think they needed to do a lot more work if they were going to try to figure out what kind of a Christian nationalist Mike Johnson is. And I'm willing to concede that there's probably a definition of that term somewhere that fits him, but I think there are lots of definitions of that term that do not fit him, or at least I think it hasn't been proven yet.
0: What should journalists do to be fair here?
1: Well, you know, when I was reading that article, I had a flashback to the early 80s when I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I had gone to a very conservative in every sense of the word, conservative megachurch in Charlotte, to hear a very controversial woman named Maribel Morgan. Now, you may be too young to know who that is, but Maribel Morgan wrote a famous or infamous book called The Total Woman. And she was the bane of feminists everywhere, including a lot of people, I would say, evangelicals. Women were totally opposed to what she had to say. And I won't get into a stereotype about her, but suffice it to say, I drove away from hearing her speech furious about a lot of the things that I heard her say, things that I disagreed with. And as I drove back to the newsroom, this is the day before laptops and filing from the scene, I thought to myself, okay, Mattingly, what are you going to do to try to be fair to this woman who totally freaked you out with her rhetoric. And I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to try to do. In the top two to three paragraphs of my story, I'm going to include what she said that night that most pleased the audience of several thousand who had come to hear her. What would they want to be at the top of this story? And in the same two to three paragraphs, I'm also somehow going to refer to what she had to say that would have most infuriated her critics and what her critics would most want to see included at the top of that story from her speech. In other words, I was going to try to get something at the top of the story that was going to please both sides and infuriate both sides. Because, trust me, there was plenty that fit both of those descriptions in what she had to say. I would argue that there is plenty in the life and career of Mike Johnson to infuriate people on the left accurately. But that doesn't mean that that needs to be the only thing in the story, unless you think that is the only audience for your journalism. Or the only part of the American public that is worthy of respect in terms of hearing its views accurately reported. At the same time, Mike Johnson, is lots of things in his career that are nuanced because he's a lawyer and he has had to deal with Supreme Court briefs. And political decisions and compromise. And I predict within six months, there will be a lot of quote unquote Christian nationalists who are furious with Mike Johnson because of compromises that he has made as Speaker of the House and coalitions that he has tried to build. I mean, at Get Religion, I've been arguing that the story after the fall of Roe is exactly what kind of compromise language on abortion that people on the religious right and the religious left might be willing to agree on, and maybe they'll never agree on any. But compromise is always controversial. Yet compromise is at the essence of a lot of what happens in court decisions and in legislation. So what do Mike Johnson's supporters most like about him? And why? What do Mike Johnson's critics most, I think it's safe to use the word, hate? What do they hate about him? And why? And if you can't get both of that into the story, by the way, I don't think in this CNN piece there is a single quote from a conservative, church-state lawyer who has studied Mike Johnson's career and agrees with him on a lot of things and disagrees with him on a lot of things, but there are no conservative—unless I missed one, and I'll read it again to be careful—I don't think there are any conservative church-state lawyers in this piece, and that's an essential voice that needed to be in this piece If you were going to try to understand Mike Johnson and then, yes, also quote his critics, by all means, please do. The story needs them. Cover both his fans and his enemies. Be fair.
0: Terry Mattingly is senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion, author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Dr. Alfonso Espinosa joins us on the other side of the break for part three of our series on Christian sanctification in the three estates. Today, we'll talk about the church, pastors, priesthood, and the congregation. How can Christians live out their faith in the church, the family, and the government? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November, Faith That Shines in the Culture. It's written by regular guest Dr. Alfonso Espinosa. Learn more about Faith That Shines in the Culture at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Faith That Shines in the Culture, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November
1: your comprehensive source for information, teaching, and truth. You're listening to Issues Etc.
0: As we prepare to gather with loved ones this Thanksgiving and thank God for the blessings he has provided, we want to give thanks for all who support Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Ministries. Hi, my name is Rahema Kavuga, Director of Synod Relations at Lutheran Church Extension Fund. At LCEF, we believe in nurturing the growth of LCMS ministries, ensuring they have resources they need to thrive. And we can't do it without our investors, partners, and
1: employees. From all of us at LCEF, thank you and Happy Thanksgiving.